Welcome to the Embrace It series, where women with all types of disabilities can be real, resourceful, and stylish. With each episode, you'll walk or roll away with everyday tips, life hacks, and success stories from community leaders and influencers. So take off your leg braces and stay a while with Lainey and Estella. Hi, I'm Lainey, and I have CMT. And I'm Estella, and I also have CMT, a neuromuscular disorder affecting approximately 2.6 million people worldwide. That's as many as MS. We believe disability should never get in the way of looking or feeling good. Both of us wear leg braces and have learned through our own personal journeys to embrace it. Brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Each episode is designed to challenge your own stigmas and beliefs around disability. We want our listeners to get the most value for their time spent with us. So we interview some of the most empowering disability badasses in the world. Through storytelling, personal experiences, and tips, we're all reminded of our own strengths and endless potential. For more information and exclusive resources, check out our websites at trend-able.com and hnf cure.org. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button for future episodes and special promos. Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here. We're um, doing another episode of Embracement. And I'm Lainey. Hi, Estella. Hey, Lainey. How are you? I'm so excited for today. Me too. Me too. We say that every single time, but <laughs> truly, um, our guest today is someone who I myself really admire. And um, I think she's a badass. And I like want all of her tips and everything myself. So I want to welcome Alicia Anderson. And Alicia Anderson is amazing. She, uh, on her website, she calls herself the inclusion superwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how she rolls. <laughs> that's what she says. Um, Alicia is a TEDx, former TEDx speaker. I guess, I don't know if it's former or TEDx speaker. <laughs> She's a motivational speaker. She's a trainer, educator on inclusion, diversity, and equity. Um, she plays tennis. She's got it all going on, and she's a very beautiful person on the inside and out. So we want to welcome you, Alicia, to the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I feel like I've made the team, so I appreciate You are. You are. We're so excited that you're here. Can you just start out um, giving uh, some info, you know, the cliff note version of who you are, what your disability is? I said she rolls, but that doesn't necessarily say what your life is like on a daily basis. Yeah. So, um, I'm Alicia and, uh, I live my life from a wheelchair. I was born with sacralogenesis, which is just a congenital disability. I was born an identical twin to an able-bodied sister. So I've been on this kind of journey of inclusion my whole life. Um, born in the seventies. So I'm dating myself for sure, but I'm uh, with you, girl. Woohoo! No, I'm like, 70s, what's happening? Oh, my God. Yeah. But anyway, it's good. It's like all about timing coming into yourself. Yes. So. Amen. 40s are powerful. But I was born in the 70s when the disability rights movement was just kind of gaining traction. And so I've been on this path of inclusion that I've kind of developed into my career and my company today. But it's been a long journey of self-acceptance, turning a ton of no's, absolutely nots, sit on the sidelines into 
absolutely yeses and powerful opportunities in my life. And that has taken a lot of self-advocacy, advocacy from my parents over time. Um, and having really a, like a go for it attitude. Um, my parents, when I was really young, put me in wheelchair tennis as kind of a sport for us that we could play inclusively. Um, they weren't expecting to have twins. We're not expecting to have some, uh, you know, a child with what would be considered somewhat of a significant severe disability when I was born. Lots of surgeries, lots of mm-hmm. things had to happen to, to, you know, live. And um, so I think their way of self-preservation was like, what can we do to have things in our life that the girls can both do and that we could do as a family? And that's right. When wheelchair tennis was being developed by Brad Parks, I was the first, I had a lot of firsts, like first kid to play wheelchair tennis uh, back in the seventies, first sports wheelchair in wheelchair tennis to be developed. First waitress in a wheelchair when I was in college first. Wow. Yeah. You know, so like, and I had this, framework of an identical twin sister, you know, we kind of, she would do what I would do when I would do what she would do. And we wouldn't question it when she would jump rope. I would find a way to jump rope. When I went to wheelchair tennis practice, she would be the only kid able-bodied at wheelchair yeah. tennis practice. And we always found ways to adapt. And it, so it was like inherent. And my mm. parents didn't adapt a whole lot in our household. They made me back then there was no ADA. So it was like, mm your life path is going to be hard. Like you have to learn to adapt. You have to be nimble on the fly. And those things have been foundational in my life from a competitive standpoint, from just really having, I mean, there's been fear, but there's been this drive in me to like, I think it was the tennis thing. Like (laughs) tennis taught me to be one with my chair Mm. um, through play. It taught me to be competitive, strong, fit, like all those things that are really important Mm -hmm. for all of us as disabled people, women, human beings. And it's translated into my life of like, okay, what am I going to do for my career? Oh, my sister's a waitress. I'm going to be a waitress. And so I've just kind of chased after the things that I was counted out for, you know, she's not going to have quality of life. She's not going to be a contributor in our society. She's not going to be this. She's not hide her away. And my parents were kind of like, no, (laughs) <laughs> and that was groundbreaking back then. Yeah, it was. Cause I, you know, listening to your TED talk, I was like so amazed because at, you know, I'm a little older than you, even Alicia, but you know, kids with disabilities in school, they were put segregated. They were put into special classrooms. Like regardless of any cognitive ability, you were separated. Yeah. It was groundbreaking back then. And so I've had a lot of these first, you know, first to be integrated, first to play tennis, first to, to, to be a waitress, first to and it's translated to my career now where I'm, you know, I've, I've founded my own company. I mean, I made it all the way to vice president of sales at a software company. I have had a very successful career as a woman with a disability that frankly can get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's where I've learned my messaging through my life path of the uncomfortable things that we have to deal with in the workplace as disabled people, whether it's a visible disability or an invisible disability and how do we talk about it? And so it's, I've created this platform of speaking to companies and organizations, training on ableism, training on disability inclusion in the workplace and the empowerment of it. Like I'm trying to flip the script, like Mm -hmm. disability is so organically like classified as a limitation in the workplace. But what if we flip that script and we like start talking about the valuable attributes that we 
all learn and have individually as disabled people and human beings with diversity and difference that we have to overcome something. How do we leverage that, lift it up in the workplace so we're more valuable than somebody else that hadn't had to go through that path, walk through that path, roll through that path, whatever through that path. And so my platform is really about empowerment and finding that thing that has probably been painful most of your life to just kind of get through situations, go like, what did I learn from that? And I got to the other side and it's like, <laughs> and now it's- what's next, you know? And so that's what drives me is like, okay, that was like not that fun, but there was something on the other side of it that was huge. And now I've got this bucket list opportunity in front of me because I'm like, what's next? And we all mm-hmm. disabled people have these powers um, to share with, society and finally we're like open to it and it's yeah we're getting groundbreaking thing of like you know waitress in a wheelchair I was on every I went viral and that was like in the 90s before viral was a thing it was like (laughs) papers from you know China and back about the gutsy waitress in a wheelchair and how you know and it like having those opportunities to go after the things that we want and the things that we know that we could do having conversations about how it'll happen like we have to have open conversations. We have to start talking about these things. And then we collaborate on how it's possible. And then it's like this win-win situation. You've got this, this job you wanted. You're making a ton of I made a ton of money as a waitress in college. Like, I mean, in a wheelchair, I could carry 15 margaritas on my lap. It's actually so – I mean – Honestly, it is like I listening to your TED talk. I heard you talking um, about, you know, in school and about the role play exercises that um, good um, intentioned social workers and teachers would have people do where they like have a kid who's able bodied um, be in a wheelchair to try to feel what it's like. Right. And they think they're doing something good. But in actuality, like that kid's struggling all day in that wheelchair and it makes people feel even more pity, which you don't want as a person, especially a child, you want to just fit in. It makes you stand out more. And those, you know, but like the waitress thing, honestly, they've got to come up. It doesn't need to be a wheelchair, but something on wheels that allows you to put your tray. Like it's brilliant. The cool part about that too is an opportunity to share with the public, like having that type of physical job. Every Mm -hmm. day I chose to go to work, it was like, hey, I'm proving to you that people with disabilities can do the things that you were literally counting us out for. And you don't know, most people, because of ableism, they don't realize they're counting us out, but they are. So they see something like that and they go, (laughs) you know, like that is possible. And that is sharing possibility is, is, I love it. I love sharing possible. So Alicia, I had something happen to me literally this morning. And since this, you're really an expert at disabling ableism. I wanted to get your thoughts on, is this ableism? Is this, you know, like my own defense mechanisms playing a part in it? Is like, what would you have done? and, And how would you have felt? So I have been exercising like you my whole life and I'm Pilates is one of my favorite things. I feel like it's really helps me. Um, for those listening who don't know, I have Charcot-Marie tooth disease. There's no cure. It's slowly progressive. 
the only thing for me that has slowed down that progression is really having a strong core, strong legs, and compensating for the you know neuropathy and the nerve damage. Ah, with that said, I'm at a new studio, and I love um, doing jumping classes. And by jumping classes, I cannot jump on the ground, right? Like I, I've never been able to jump or run, but attached to a Pilates machine, there's a springboard that I can jump on. Okay. So that's a lot of information to just say that today it was a jump board class. And when I walked into the studio, the owner pulled me aside in front of like tons of people when I was rushing to get to class. And she goes, um, Lainey, the instructors have come to me and they're concerned that you could be injured doing a jump board class. Okay. I was pretty speechless at first, which is rare. And I thought it was like a joke. And I go, when you say the instructors came to you and were concerned, what exactly like are they talking about? I've never even, none of your instructors have even asked me what I have or what's, you know, what I can and can't do. I've literally modified your classes on my, my own. No one has asked me. I, you know, and she goes, well, they're just concerned. They don't want you to hurt something since your ankles are fused. They think that maybe you could hurt your spine. And I, okay, I left, I went and did the jump board class. I thought about it. I ruminated about it the entire time about like the whole thing. I'm looking at the people next to me and I'm like, oh my God, that woman is sweating. That woman is like barely able to keep up and I am doing just fine. And I leave, I feel good except for that conversation. So I go to the owner and I say, you know, I just wanted to tell you how you approached me is in every way bad. <laughs> I said, I am someone who is a disability advocate and I haven't had many experiences with people directly telling me things that I can't do. I said, you should never do that. I'm like, I have been doing this for a long time, but even if I hadn't, so everyone in that room could have something invisible that you're unaware of. Every single person could hurt themselves doing something. I said, you came to me and singled me out because I've told you that I have a disability. That's not okay. And she's like, well, she's like, I didn't mean to offend you. She's like, I, I, I'm, I still am not convinced it's okay. I'm going to talk to the doctors to find out. I go, what? I go, first of all, people with disabilities and people with my condition are all different. There's not a single doctor who would be a good doctor if they said that someone shouldn't do anything, do something without seeing that person, without knowing the variables. Are they overweight? Are they not overweight? Like there's so many things that can play in part into an injury with anyone's condition. Anyways, I left there just like so upset. Oh, and she then she said, we're all about inclusion. I go, well, you are not because that is not inclusion. Like what you did was exactly the opposite of inclusion. So what, can you believe that? I'm like still all like, obviously you can tell I'm still all upset about it. And um, I'm hoping this woman thinks about it and maybe reaches out and writes a letter or whatever. Um, I don't have another place to take a jump board class. So I'm really hoping. <laughs> I'm, so, 
Number one, that's definitely absolutely ableism, but it's almost, and probably is discrimination. Yeah. With you, like, um, and I've had personally many things like that happen to me in my life. Like I've gone in my career, I've been excused in my former career. I was working in, um, real estate, um, technology for multifamily, which is apartment building. So I'd be in and out selling software, da, 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 da. And I've been excused off properties because they've been literally somebody said to me, we don't allow people in wheelchairs on our property. We've been sued. I have been, I've pulled up to (gasps) five star hotels and the valet person has said to me, we do not, your kind of car is the only kind of car we do not park. People with disabilities have to cross park across the street. There was no parking at the hotel. Like, Oh my gosh. (gasps) Because of hand controls. And, and, and so these are the conversations, like how you handle that is how I would have handled it. Like we have to start to have open dialogue about what is right and what is wrong in my opinion. And And I said to her, I don't mean to cut you off, Alicia, but I also said to her the the biggest thing that you, the first thing you should have done is you should have instructed your instructor to have a conversation with me. I said, I feel like I'm in the principal's office getting kicked out of school because they think I can't cut it. I'm like, the teacher is the one who has to be the one to assess. I said, and your people have never even said one word to me. And this is, this gets to that aspect of companies needing to be implementing when they say they're inclusive, like every company in their it, it globally is implemented since George Floyd, diversity, equity, inclusion departments in, I mean, it, they're prevalent everywhere, but disability in that is kind of the last to follow one of the last and companies, when they say that we're inclusive, they need to be including in those like employee resource groups, trainings, all kinds of education about disability inclusion in every type of company, how you, how language matters, what microaggressions are, what ableism is and how you start having these conversations and understanding, like to your point, you know, 70% of us have disabilities most of them are invisible. Like mm-hmm. you, we need to be doing better with our language and the bias that we have that is so ingrained in our society about disability. We don't know how to disable it. We don't know how to disable our biases. We don't know how to disable ableism. We don't know how to do that in our society today because it is so normalized to think that disability is something that we can separate from mm-hmm. humanity, you know, like it's, it's wild. So but Alicia, how do you do that? Like, I don't know if this woman heard me or not, because I'm a very assertive borderline aggressive <laughs> person. So, you know, she could have left that conversation being like, wow, she is a bitch, you know, like not hearing anything I said, I'm, I'm not sure you know, it's also not only do their words matter in terms of what they say, but our words matter too. Like, do you have, you know, when you're in a situation, you know, similar to mine, like how how do you calm yourself to be able to respond in a way that's going to be heard and not just like, bitch, come back, like get the hell away from me. You aren't inclusive. Like I lead with my heart and empathy. Like my platform is called Heart of Inclusion. And like for me, I feel like disability has been left on the sidelines of these converse, these tough conversations of diversity mm-hmm. because um, we're, we're missing the humanity piece and having a connection as human beings. And it is absolutely natural and 
fitting to get angry and feel hurt when those things happen because they do hurt like deeply. When those things happen to me too, I put on a smile. I had conversations. I, 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 I gave as much information as I felt like I humanly could, but then I got in my car and would cr- cried, you mm-hmm. know, like, I can't believe these things are happening. Mm-hmm. So I think to a certain extent, we have to lead with empathy. We have to allow people to make mistakes as difficult as that is because they're learning. They might not learn everything that you want to learn, but I am sure she took something away. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like it was lost on her ears, then it's probably an additional conversation to have with the owners. Like, Hey, like this is a conversation that we're having in the workplace. You cannot choose who your customer is or who's going to be coming into the door. You have to be ready for these Mm -hmm. scenarios and to adapt on the fly. We'll be right back. Well, that's a nice song. Hey, Hey everybody. It's me, the launch dad himself, George Andriopoulos, the host of the LaunchCast, the co-host of Over My Dad Podcast. But more importantly, I'm here today on behalf of Launchpad 516 Studios, the podcast production company that makes those two shows, the one you're listening to now, and so many others possible. Now, what is Launchpad 516 Studios? Well, it's the brainchild of Launchpad 516 It's a podcast production company, and we help you from conceptualization to production to recording to post-production to monetization. The key word here, let's turn that hobby, that idea into a revenue stream. But more importantly, let's get that important idea out there and get your voice heard because that's what matters right now. Hit us up, launchpad516studios.com to find out more information. Or send us an email, podcast at lp516.com. DM me at Launchpad CEO on all the platforms. Let's chat. Let's get your voice heard. We're pretty good at this, guys. Don't let this offer slip by you. Later, guys. You're tuning in to Embrace It with Lainey and Estella, brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Absolutely. And if you're going to say you're an inclusive place to work out for everybody, that's what it says right on their thing. Then if, you know, for me, it's a non-issue. I can do everything. But when you have people who come who say they can't do something, first of all, no one can tell you what you can or can't do. If they say they can't do something and you're truly an inclusive place for everybody, then you figure out a way to make that exercise available to that person in a different way, you know? And on top of that, right, wrong, or indifferent, they don't know what they don't know. So they might need suggestions from you. And Mm -hmm. I think us as disabled people, we need to start to be loud with our knowledge and our expertise. And even if it's not being asked, because Mm -hmm. eventually, and what is starting to happen in companies and what needs to happen a lot more is we need to hire people with disabilities and uh, hire them as consultants to come in and like give our expertise on how things can work because these able-bodied people don't know. Like, and, and that's, I'm not giving them a get out of jail for free pass, but a lot of them just don't know what they don't know and they don't mean any harm by it. Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding in my speeches, you know, I'm in front of international, I'm like 
see the companies that I'm getting in front of. Like, I can't even believe it. Like Hyatt, Abercrombie and Fitch, Triple, like big, giant. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, I was on a call yesterday with a company, none of those, but you know, and they're just like talking about their DEI departments and how they haven't touched disability yet. They're, they're infant. They don't know what they don't know where to start. And we're talking about basics mm-hmm. for us. And the, you know, this is bare bone basic stuff, but we have to start. We cannot allow people, companies, organizations, society to look and not communicate. Like we I'm just to- like, yeah. And just like Lainey's instructor to make decisions on behalf of disabled people is just doesn't fly anymore. Can you talk to us a little bit about when you first turned your lived experience into when you had that moment, like, wait, I can actually train companies on how to do this better? Because I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that from your experience in the corporate world, you had so many moments where like, oh my God, this can be done so much better. Mm-hmm. And that curriculum was kind of building in your mind. Can you take us to like that moment? Maybe it was a moment or maybe it was over time where you kind of turned your experience into that first training moment. And what was the reaction like from management and from that company? Yeah. So it was a little a bit of both. It was over okay. time and it was also kind of a moment in time over my career. And we're talking from waitress to all of the jobs that I had to vice president of sales, uh, executive position, right? Like we need more disabled people in executive positions, leading on boards, like really leading. Um, being promoted, all those things. But so over my career, I've had opportunities to like, hey, will you come disability month? Will you come and speak? And it was probably terrible. And I, I would come and give whatever I would say. And I go, gosh, you know, like, I feel like that's like making it. And I don't see anybody that looks like I was the first person with a visible disability at every single one of my jobs. I have never, I've run into three people in my last industry that I could spot out and go like, oh, they're disabled. Like, there's not enough hiring of people with disabilities because of ableism. And so I got to the point in my career where I was just like, Why am I, I, and I used to be an ableist. I would hide my wheelchair on LinkedIn. I would hide my wheelchair for hiring managers. I did not want to be put in a box until mm-hmm. I got there and like showed who I am, what I can mm-hmm. bring to the table. You know, I have a master's degree in disability sports science and inclusion. Like I've got all these things I want to like, share with hiring managers. And, you know, I would, I was afraid that I wouldn't get to even in the the door. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, which burned me sometimes, you know, I would show up and meetings would be upstairs and like, Oh gosh. (laughs) So, but you know, you got it anyway. So I learned over time that these things that I can share if I'm bold enough and I'm brave, brave enough, because it takes a lot of bravery to get uncomfortable are really helping, you know, and it's, so I started speaking here and there. And then this last company that I worked for was the first company that I wasn't, I, I hid my wheelchair on LinkedIn and then I ended up getting hired for this executive level position. It was like a pinnacle in my career. I felt empowered that I'm just, just like that woman with a disability that is getting the job done. I'm leading, I'm like very respected. And I asked my boss when I started speaking, cause I started speaking and it's just like kind of happened over time organically like it's definitely my path like I feel like I've like I've been saying mm-hmm. I feel like I'm saying something but I was scared you know um and then I got I 
like got my like late thirties, early forties. And I was like, I'm ready. And so I started and he lifted me up and I was like, why'd you hire me? Like you didn't know I was going to show up in a wheelchair. Now I'm talking about inclusion in the workplace everywhere. Why? And he was like, listed off my experience and my education and all the things that I've done. But, and then he said, but I knew you had to be a good planner. I know that you have to plan and pre-plan and plan some more accessibility plan, hotel plan, Uber plan, get left behind by Uber, like the experience <laughs> just to do the same job mm-hmm. that everybody else is doing. And I knew that proficiency and planning would translate to your work. And that made my disability and who I am and all the layers of me more qualified than someone else. And that is the conversation. That is what we need to do as people mm. with disabilities is like be loud, you know, and be pioneers. Like Judy Human, the disability rights movement they started it for us, but there's each and every one of us, we are still the first to do this and the first to do that. And we need to be loud and visible and share our many layers, all of them, including mm-hmm. our disability, as much as we're willing to share. I don't share everything. And some people aren't comfortable sharing at all. And that is a decision. But mm-hmm. I have found that like, if I don't, who is? like, okay. let's start flipping the script here and widen the doors of possibility for those that follow me. That is my did goal. You, Alicia, did you ever like your boss who obviously was, is very wise and, um, was able to like, how did he know that? Did he have someone in his life who had disabilities? Cause that's a really hard thing to teach, you know, you can tell people, oh yeah, just people with disabilities have superpowers. We're resilient. We have to plan. We have to do this. And, but it's a different thing to like, know that the right. fact that your boss knew that it feels to me like that's the piece that we, we all wish everyone got like magically understood. Um, and that they understood the experience of disability enough to know what's involved to become that resilient, like resourceful, you know, often creative person. Right. It, it happened very organically. And he's the type of leader. He's a 30 something. He's a millennial. He, uh-huh. is, <laughs> you know, it was a startup, like very like forward thinking. And uh-huh. I think that that's the trends that we're starting to see now. It's the younger generations, uh-huh. honestly, that are finally like flipping that script. And it was very, he leads with his heart and it was, very organic that just like you said, like it caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. But then it like has been embedded in my platform and companies eat that up and they should because it's true, you know, and that is where we're going in our society. And the more of us with disabilities that raise up our strengths and mm-hmm. leverage them strategically as valuable attributes that you want to lift up and say like, I I'm so good at this because I overcame this and this is what it's going to bring to my career. It's going to bring to your organizations. It's going to like, and, and leadership in these organizations, they need to have these things embedded in their philosophy. And that's, this was the founder of this company, right? Embedded at the top level, it trickles down and, and, you know, and it's creating these cultures that are, they're not perfect and there's a lot of work to do, but it, we're starting to have cultures that are open to not just check off the box, ADA, move on. We've done it for the year, but actually like 
looking at a larger scope of value, return on investment, accessibility being leading to innovation and product development. Like there's so much power in these Mm. conversations that we're just starting to happen. And for me, it's like, I just want to be included. I want to be able to have the job that I'm going to make the, the amount of money that I want to make. I want to get as far as I can. I want to be a business owner. And guess what? Now I am, you know, and it takes chipping away at each one of our own individual like values mm-hmm. and implementing, like literally having enough bravery. And it might be a small little thing to just like put your toe in the water and see how it goes. Go, Oh yeah, that was good. That really, you know, that mm-hmm. felt good. That taught somebody's a little something. What's next? Oh, Okay, I'm going to try this, you know, and that's really been, that's all I've been doing. And it's literally just so I can have opportunity and also make it easier, hopefully, for the little girls like I was that wanted to jump on trampolines and go to the Girl Scouts and be in jazzercise and not it be this advocacy that you're having to just like, Constantly push through. It's it's exhausting. It's so exhausting. It is exhausting. Well, I tried to join the tennis team. No, you know, um, there's two stories, and my history class was upstairs. They made me sit in the library because the teacher didn't want to like move. You know, we're talking about like serious, serious ableism. Yeah, like blatant. So, so I I love how you kind of take it back to you know like the underlying theme, and I think it, it. points back to how you were raised was that you didn't carry that shame around disability. And that's where you're able to identify your own values, right? You can't turn around to a company and, and, and sell your value unless you actually believe it and recognize it yourself. So tell us a little bit about like how, when you're speaking with companies, because we also, there's an issue with inspiration porn, right? And and there's a danger there as speakers. And Lainey and I have seen it too, that sometimes companies are just hiring you for that feel-good moment and for, for them to be seen as inclusive, but then kind of fall short when it comes to actually implementing the steps to make their company and their culture more inclusive? Like where are you kind of seeing some of those gaps being filled and what are these companies actually doing after you speak with them to logistically ensure that that inclusion is being expanded? To back up for a second, I've not always been secure with my disability and it has taken me my entire life to Mm -hmm. be. And I used to want to hide it more than anything ever. And the, the pathway to acceptance and leading with my full identity, including my disability has, it has been a process in time. And so now today as a woman with a disability in her forties that you're right. Like I know how to present myself. I know how to leverage my platform. I know how to talk about these things, but it comes with over like learning those things over time and what you're good at and what you really can give and then packaging it. And from like a company's perspective, like I'm talking to them about leadership needing for these to be baked, disability inclusion to be baked in their philosophy 
all the time. Like it's some, it's a collective atmosphere that's always working. It's an engine. You need to have disability resource groups in your diversity, equity, inclusion programs, just like you have disability re- or um, racism resource groups mm-hmm. and, and sexism resource groups and all of that. So you have people with disabilities that are in the company sharing what they know. I mean, that's what these resource groups do. The problem is, is getting people with disabilities to identify with their disability and start sharing. And that comes from leadership, creating a, a culture and an environment that is safe, that they, that people with disabilities see. There's an accessibility department. I mean, mm-hmm. companies need accessibility departments because it's not only accessibility on infrastructure so we can get to work or use the software at home to work, but um, you know, product development and access to all aspects of your business. Like companies cannot choose who their customer is. It, you know, that's why this whole conversation of accessibility on websites is so like prevalent right now because you're opening your business on the internet. Like things you can't choose. Oh, I'm not going to allow a visually impaired person to shop. Like, no, like everything needs to be accessible from every layer within the company. And on top of that, it drives innovation and it is creating products and services that we all use universally. It's powerful. Um, I talked to companies about like HR departments needing to have recruitment that is specific to where you go to hire people, find and hire people with disabilities. Like add that as a line item in recruiting. Mm -hmm. You know, have HR departments need to be further educated on how to use the right language, how to um, hire people with disabilities. So there's so many, it's, it's a multifaceted, multi-layered process. But the main thing is, and we hear it all the time in disability inclusion, like we just need to start. Right. Like, like progress over perfection. Like we need to start to chip away, like have grab something that is one initiative and, and, and implement it and hire people with disabilities, hire outside speakers, hire outside trainers that are going to start to bring humanity and connect the dots. Like right. that this, this actually affects all of us. We will all be disabled at some point. Okay. Not all, but one in four of us. And like <laughs> by the time we're 90, 90% of us. And like, we all know these statistics like this is a us conversation it isn't a they conversation we need to we need to we need to turn disability inclusion in the workplace and in our society as us and and then it benefits all of us and that these things like ADA and accessibility and all like they allow each and every one of us as we change and grow to access life to continue to go to work when something happens to be able to be a part of society because being able-bodied is not guaranteed. Like it just isn't like, that's not like a fear factor thing, but it isn't. So (laughs) these are our freedoms to access our lives as we change, as we grow, as we age, as we, whatever happens over time. So we can continue to live and be a part of. It's about really shifting that mindset to from charity to inclusion. Cause I've, I've spoken to a few companies and they're like, well, we, we give to disability charities and I'm like no that's not what this is about so I think it really or they want us to work for free yeah (laughs) that's the other thing the expectation is that it's a volunteer thing like when Mm -hmm. you're talking about disability and that's where again we as disabled people and business Mm -hmm. owners and advocates 
we need to be loud and we need to not be afraid to say what our value is. And if that's a dollar sign, because we're running businesses, it's a dollar sign. And you ask for what you know you deserve. Sometimes it's not going to be the right fit. Like, and that's just the way that it goes. And like, for me with my business, it's taken me, I mean, last year I left a very good job. We are talking about multi six figures, like very secure, could have done that the rest of my life. Very happy. And I took a leap, started my business because I just was, I'm getting so busy doing what I'm doing. It's like, gosh, I think, you know, disability is like, it's the next thing. Like I want to lead. I don't want to follow. I want to lead. I want to lead. And so that headedness <laughs> for me was like, go, it's time to go. And so I quit my job. My boss is like, what are you talking about? And so I was like one of the top salespeople and I've implemented all my sales strategies that I know well from bu- right. my business life into my business. And I have maintained like, like, and, but that is having the bravery to say your worth, mm-hmm. but give the reasons why and, and what your value is, you know, and, and it, it pays off dividends. So we as disabled people need to be bold and brave and loud mm-hmm. and just courageous and, and, and be excited about these opera. I'm so excited to be a part of this stuff. Like yeah. it makes me feel I can't believe that I'm seeing, and I, you probably agree, I cannot believe the things that I am seeing in our life in the last couple of years, I never thought I would see it in my lifetime. And mm. it is so cool. Representation, like just really things like that. You're like, whoa, that's actually a feeling to go see Ali Stroker on Broadway. And you're like, I was oh, just going to say, I saw her last night. I was watching Echoes and she's got like a big part in that that new series. And I'm like, yes, I flew to New York to see her and she rolled out on that stage. The disability was never mentioned in, in where she, yep. uh, and I was like in tears the whole time because it was so powerful to see yourself, you know, and I'm preaching to the choir. You all know this. No, we so know, powerful. but it's, it's still, it's like, it makes you just, I mean, you're so grateful and you're so excited that this world is finally starting to change, but that's the way it should be. Right. It, and absolutely. so like you hope that your kids well, maybe grandkids, <laughs> you know, like in their lifetime, it isn't a surprise. It isn't yeah. weird. It isn't like unusual. It's not an anomaly to see people successful and doing great things with disabilities and the disability not being the reason yeah. that they got the job or right. the reason that they're on that ad. It's because they are a model. They are an actress. They are talented. Um, So for listeners here, okay, we have like, you're literally, Alicia, one of my favorite interviews because you're just, you're just just really, you just are full of great knowledge and you're super easy to talk to. So for people who are listening and like, they're not necessarily in places of employment, they don't necessarily want to be disability advocates like the three of us. They just are living their lives. They encounter ableism like everyone on a daily, sometimes, you know, every minute basis of their lives. Like they just want to find and learn techniques for just disabling it. You know, I know it's broad, but like, what are, you know, like, what are your tips for people, just everyday people when they encounter something that feels uncomfortable? Yeah. And that is a broad answer too, because I think it depends on the individual and where they are, you know, and I haven't always been able to be loud and proud. Like, you know, there's so many times where I've had those ableist moments and 
frankly, blatant discrimination where I've just sat quietly and I've taken it and it resonates, you know, and if you're in that place, then take that home and don't make it, let it make you feel bad, but resonate on it Mm -hmm. on a lesson that can be learned and shared at some point or implemented because there's something that's going to come out of that, whether you are bold enough because you're ready to teach somebody something or you never want to. And that's just not like your path. Mm-hmm. There's, there's beautiful opportunities of inclusion in all of those moments, whether we choose to speak up or not. And it isn't their responsibility if they're not comfortable. So I really think we have to take that. And, and, it, and it's like such a non-answer. No, but I love, I love that answer. Cause that's, that is true. Like not everyone is a badass. Not everyone feels comfortable yeah. being direct and sharing, like, you know, not everyone is assertive or in that way, but they walk away. And if you're still thinking about it and you're still ruminating about it, like writing it down for yourself and what your thoughts are and what you would have said or what you did feel. For, yeah. Be prepared so that the next time it'll be on the tip of your tongue. Or if not, at least you'll be able to have self comforting thoughts that tell you that this person may have been having a bad day or whatever, you know? Well, and like an example for that for me was when I started my business, like all those things started to happen. I was speaking, I was feeling like this was my path. And then I went to a concert in San Francisco and um, my husband's in a wheelchair also. We met when we were playing tennis. And anyways, this man walked up, we were like down a ramp and like we could see the stage. We're like, oh my gosh, I'm not like buried in people. And this man walked up and he said, he looked at me specifically with his wife and he said, um, excuse me, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I, I don't know. What do you mean? And he's like, you're completely blocking our way. Isn't there places for people like you? He turned around, <sighs> grabbed arms, blocked us, put like, he is a rare, he put um, coats on the ground so the people in wheelchairs couldn't like get close to oh him. My God. And oh. that was a moment that I stayed silent. Mm. I was, I was completely taken back, but I sat there and I like, I sobbed cry- and I, I don't get shaken very often. I just let things roll off of me, but I did. I sobbed crying that night and I got home and mm. I was like, that is how I'm invisible. And, and it, I wrote my first speech. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, there are moments that, that sometimes they're just, they can just be for you also, you know? And, um, so I think it's, it's time and place and, and where you are. And share when you can and don't when you don't want to. Yeah, those people at that studio, they don't know I'm going to be doing a TEDx soon. Bad move. We love, love, love speaking with you. Yes. We hope everyone follows you on social media and watches your TEDx talk. How can people find you and, and learn more about you? So they can go to my website, aliciaanderson.com. It's Alicia with A-L-Y-C-I-A. My um, Instagram is at Alicia Speaking. Um, I'm, my biggest platform is LinkedIn. So if there's companies out there that are looking for speakers on inclusion in the workplace and disability and all that disabling ableism, LinkedIn is a good spot. And yeah, I just released training modules and I got- I Googled you and you're like literally everywhere. You are, you know, you're like- there, I, it's like you're the only Alicia with a Y Anderson in the world, which just seems impossible. But you were right away. I saw you, and so people can do that too. Yeah. And 
Alicia is so cool and so interesting and can learn so much from watching your videos, looking at your website, hiring you for one of their, you know, gigs. Um, thank you so much. I, I'm so happy to meet you personally. I'm a big fan. I'm a girl fan of both of you too. So like, um, cool. thank you for having me. I'm thank so you. Bye guys. So nice having you. Hey, Embracers. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the Embrace It podcast. Brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios, executive produced by George Andriopoulos and hosted by Lainey Ishbia and Estella Lugo. Our music and sound effects are licensed through Epidemic Sound. Embrace It is hosted with Buzzsprout. Do you have a disability-related topic you'd love for us to feature? Or could someone you know be a fabulous guest on our show? We would love to hear your comments and feature them on our next podcast. So leave us a voicemail or you can even send us a text to 631-517-0066. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Follow us at embraceit underscore podcast on Instagram. And make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. We hope you join us next time and continue to embrace it.